0: Welcome back into the Car Chronicle podcast. Um, we're rebranding now. This is going to be the uh, the Corona Chronicle podcast for the foreseeable future. I mean, how else do you, I don't even know how to start this podcast. This is uh, what do you say when you've gone from one episode to the next and the world has kind of stopped spinning in between? It's just a, it's a, it's a very strange thing to do. Uh, Mike Rutherford and Danny Sinart here back with you for the first time in a week and some stuff's changed. Uh, the last time we were on here, we were talking about the ACC tournament. We were talking about the probability of the NCAA tournament not being played in front of fans. And now, nothing. Uh, I, I don't. Th- there's no good way to start a podcast like this. So I'll just say, Dan, welcome back to the show. How are you? How is life with two young kids and a pregnant wife and you guys all being quarantined in one spot together?
1: This is just... It's still like not believable what's actually going on like the fact it's that it's been a week since we've done this it feels like it's been six months yeah. since we had our last podcast how much stuff has transpired in just a week and yeah i mean when we started the whole dan and the dumps shtick at the beginning of the podcast uh life that we had you know it was, it was made to be sort of a fun thing about how you know some bad things tend to happen to me, but I, you know, I try to like keep it within either like sports or just everyday kind of little things in life. I didn't actually mean, you know, the world coming to an end and abruptly ending like what could have been a, uh, you know, and I know it's, you know, secondary at this point, well, it could have been like a, a great March madness season. So yeah, I mean, it's just surreal. I'm just trying to keep my head above water uh, my wife works in healthcare, so she is still going to work. Um, and myself, I am working from home with two kids and it is going exactly how anyone would picture it going with a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So yeah, just an absolutely, uh, kind of surreal last week here and who knows how long this is going to last for.
0: One of my favorite things about the podcast has been how quickly people are to blame you for stuff. It's been fun uh, because I feel like I'm on the other end. The amount of people that sent tweets about one on the last podcast, you predicting that Thursday was going to be the start of a new glorious era for Louisville (laughs) athletics when it ended up being the cancellation of our entire season was wonderful. And then two, the number of people who brought up the the episode we did when you were in the Nashville airport and the woman was coughing, like, like would not stop coughing behind you. I went back and looked at it. We recorded that on January 21st, the day after the first confirmed case of the coronavirus in the United States of America. So I'm not saying, like, like you caused this personally, but you definitely played at least a large part in what's going on in this country and what's going on to this podcast and what's going on with... Uh, no NCA tournament no Louisville athletics for the next god i mean 6 months which is just crazy to think about but it is i mean like you said it's surreal to sit here and think about the like what's going on with the world if i had told you 3 weeks ago that like there was going to be no NCA tournament there was going to be no NBA there were going to be no sports period derby was going to be moved to september people weren't going to be allowed to leave their houses there was going to be you know mandatory curfews in some of the biggest cities in america Like, try and imagine what you would have thought that world would look like. Because I would have thought, like, Black Plague. Like, people just falling dead on the streets. Like, everything burning. Everything in disarray. And it's not that. But it's, like, all of those things are still true. This is the... I I don't think any of us know how to wrap our minds around it. And people were saying, you know, we'd love to have a, you know, coronavirus podcast. Like, are you guys going to do emergency podcasts and all this stuff? The problem at the time was things were changing so quickly that... By the time we you know, sat here and talked for 45 minutes and then I was able to get the episode up, it would have been an hour and a half later and things would have been totally different. Things were changing so quickly. It would have – not like there was no way to do a podcast that was evergreen. And then once everything was set in stone and it was obvious that sports were going to be put on hold and we kind of were aware of what was going on, it just – Felt kind of silly, I think, to get on here and and talk about sports and try to do some fun stuff. But we, you know, people do seem to enjoy this, so we'll try to to make light. We're going to keep this going more regularly. But it's just been, I mean, I still, I'm, I'm with you. I still haven't really fully wrapped my mind around the sports element to this all, and then the larger element to this all, like what this means for the. I mean, it's just, it's so impossible to really have a proper perspective on right now. I think.
1: Yeah, and. We, I mean, we went through 9-11, and obviously, I mean, we were young. We were 16, 17 at the time, and I mean, you were probably, you know, a little more knowledgeable about what was going on in the world at that time than I was. I was just some naive, you know, like wannabe loser in high school that would, had really zero idea what was what you know grasping like the importance of what was going on I knew something you know bad obviously happened but I mean this is just a worldwide thing we're dealing with and when you said earlier you know the thought of if you had told us a week ago there would be no March Madness or no NCAA tournament like the thought of that sounds bad and the fact that we're going through it like it's even like 20 times worse than just thinking about it like the fact there is no sports and this that this like sounds like you know i may i know everyone's got like a different life but i mean my life and i i'm sure yours is you know too obviously like sports has been a huge part of our lives and for that just to be taken out from underneath us it, it kind of i don't know it, it, i i don't even know what to do with myself during the day like after usually the routine is you know i go to work i Come home. I put the kids down, and then that's when I just dive into sports until you know midnight or one when I pass out. I, I read it about it all the time. I consume it twenty four seven, and to just basically take everything away, uh, it's left a, a pretty big void, you know, in my life, which seems you know rather unimportant at the time, which with everything going on and how uncertain our future is, but yeah, just so weird and the other thing is that for some reason it like feels like it for Louisville fans especially like when you take away March Madness like everyone in the country it's like their favorite time of the year I mean they tune in they get to watch college basketball it's the tournament everyone loves it but in Louisville I mean it hits a, a little bit harder than anywhere else around the country because we consume this sport you know, year-round 24-7. As soon as the tournament ends, we're wondering about what next year's lineup is going to be like and what recruiting is going on and, you know, what are are the players talking about over the summer. And then we basically kind of train ourselves to watch games and talk about matchups and talk about the players to where we want them to be peaking right around March Madness Week. And then for us to go through all that and then just to have that taken away immediately – it It just gosh, and I, and I'm being selfish talking about this. I can't even imagine what the players are going through, especially you know the seniors that worked their ass off for you know four or five years, and just to have this opportunity taken away i I just can't imagine being
0: them right now, yeah, it's strange thinking about that the last time you and I were talking, it was a week ago, and there were games being played like like things were we we kind of thought that worst case scenario was we weren't going to, at this time, we're recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon. At this time, we kind of thought worst case scenario was no fans at these games moving forward and how that's going to be so weird and everybody's getting their jokes off. And I'll give you credit. I mean, you were the first one out of our friends to say, I don't think this tournament's going to be played. And and I kind of responded. I thought, I was in line with a lot of people's thinking who said, this makes, this event makes a billion dollars for the NCAA, quite literally, a billion dollars for the NCAA. It generates, I think, at least in 2018, it did 91% of the NCAA's revenue. Like they're not going to let this thing not be played in some capacity and they don't really care that much about the, you know, the ticket sales or, or boosting up the, the regional host that that's more for those cities than it is for the NCAA. The NCAA makes all their money from TV revenue. So If these games can just be played and they can be televised, it's going to be fine. I think we found out behind the scenes, like Mark Emmert and company, that was their thinking too. They weren't doing this to be great citizens of the world. They were doing this because they quite literally had to. But you were texting with us and you're like, I I don't think the tournament's happening. And I was like, bullshit. They'll find a way to play it. There's definitely going to be um, that TV money. Like, it's going to be okay. And all of our other friends were saying the same thing. I don't think I've ever had a friend who I thought was more wrong, be proven so right so quickly than the scenario we had a week ago? Because like all of a sudden, like an hour later, I'm downstairs. I'm watching the games. I'm checking the news. Bam, Tom Hanks has corona. Bam, they're not playing the Utah Jazz Thunder game for some reason. Rudy Gobert's sick. Bam, Rudy Gobert's got corona. And at that point, I was like, I texted. I was like, all right, you're right. There's no way in hell that they're going to play this thing. And I, it was just a it was such a surreal feeling watching that North Carolina Syracuse game and Syracuse is just being the piss out of UNC. And I'm not even writing up a quick story on, you know, Louisville will open the ACC tournament against Syracuse or anything like that because like there's zero doubt in my mind at that point that we're done. Like, like this is over. There's not going to be a, a conference tournament. There's not going to be an NCAA tournament. And it just felt like it was a, an unavoidable thing at that point. And I remember waking up being just shocked that they were going to play these games. And then you have that really strange morning where, right before tip-off for the the noon games across the country, all the conferences besides the Big East start saying, we're not playing, we're not playing, we're not playing, and then the writing's on the wall at that point. It was just, it's still so weird. I'm with you. It's still so weird to be thinking about March 18th. What do we do? do? Like, like this is, even when Louisville's not in the tournament, I know people have said, we feel better prepared for this than some other schools because we had the postseason ban in 2016. We missed the tournament in 2018. We still had games to watch, and Louisville was still about the the biggest market for the NCAA tournament, even when the cards weren't playing, it's just, it like it, I feel like my internal clock is so off because my entire, like, the, the work that I do for the entire year, like, revolves around getting to these four to five weeks. And once, it really starts with the first week of conference tournament play, the last week of the regular season for the big tournaments, I kind of, you know, I tell, wife, I tell you guys, I tell uh, family members, like, I'm going to basically be I'm like in hibernation for this month, and then I come out and it's 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 early April, and I feel like I get to reintroduce myself to the world. And now I have that same feeling, but it's March 18th. I don't everything just feels so fucked, and not just from a sports perspective, obviously. But since we are talking mostly sports on the podcast, that's kind of it. Just I don't I don't know. And I'll ask you because I feel like a lot of people, everybody copes in their own different way, and and I, a lot of Louisville fans immediately were like, "Let's do." rewatch of the 2013 game or let's uh, you know let's share these videos let's do this let's do that are you like how are you coping with the 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 sports void in your life are you watching old games are you looking at old stuff are you you know getting into these bracket simulations or anything like that
1: the brackets simulations are terrible like i don't know why people want those even put out it's just almost like a tease I don't want to know. I mean, and even if they're put out, I mean, the conference tournaments didn't happen. Not that the seating like changes the conference tournaments a ton, but it's just the tournament isn't happening. I don't want to bracket in front of my face. It's just another, you know, tease and a reminder that March madness isn't happening as far as how I'm coping with it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't really say that I am. This has been the longest four days of my life. I feel like, um, you know just kind of being quarantined here at the house and uh, you know it, it, it is good to you know get some quality family time in obviously um but i mean as far as what i'm doing to keep busy y- yeah I, I, like last night i went back i watched the the, the wichita game um the final four game uh, you know i we luckily—not luckily, but I mean—we we have had some news that we'll get to, you know, here at the end of the podcast with, with with Darius Perry, um, putting in to be transferred, and there's been some NFL news that has kept me busy. But I mean, really, it's just been trying to find Netflix shows to watch, uh, and just really just kind of texting with you guys, and I mean, it's almost like we're just dying to look for, you know. A firm date to where everything is going to go back to normal, and we don't have it. And it just no. everything just feels so uncertain right now. And I I think everyone's just looking for some sort of firm certainty to where we can kind of normalize our lives and, and and get back on the track that we were before this. And it's just everything's up in the air right now, so it's tough.
0: I think when stuff like this happens and in- your world gets sent into such disarray. I think it's natural for everybody to try and immediately try and find some way to, to fix it or at least to alleviate things. And I think that's why you've seen so many people do like, well, let's do a bracket of, you know, best Louisville tournament games or best Louisville and, and all this stuff. And for me, it's just, it doesn't do anything to fill the void. And I think it goes, it, it's, it's like, it'd be like if you weren't having Christmas, but you got to unwrap presents that you'd gotten in past years. Like it's something but it's not it, it's not coming close to filling the void of not having a real Christmas morning with new gifts and, and new stuff and all that uh, all that stuff. And it reminds me a lot of the way that we reacted to the postseason ban in 2016, where I think everybody immediately was like, What can we do here? Like, like let's you know, we did the I've got your back thing and, and we did the let's give Damian Lee and Trey Lewis rings. like can we hang a banner for them? Can we make them grand marshals of the Pegasus parade? We tried to do all this stuff. And the reality is sometimes, and it's a a good lesson to learn, as as hard as it may be, sometimes shitty stuff just happens and there's no way to fix it. And and I think this is one of those cases, like, I'm not saying you need to just, like, I don't know, wait around in in crap and feel sorry for yourself and not try to, to make the best of a bad situation, but there's no way to fix this. Like, there's no way to fill the void that's left behind by not having an NCAA tournament. And again, I know we're talking about things that aren't, of paramount concern right now, but they, they they are important to us. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably care a great deal about March Madness and about Louisville athletics, and you're probably filling some sort of void right now with not having those things. And I just there's no way to to simulate that feeling. There's no way to simulate that magic that we have every single year. And for me, I'm just kind of like <laughs> you know, it sucks. Like like I, I I'm not trying to do like the mock brackets. I'm not even trying I haven't put together my early top 25 for next year or anything like that. I'm just kind of dealing with all of this and trying to figure out where the hell we go from here. And it's just going to, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. There's, there's no way around it. Um, but let, let's talk, I guess a little bit about just straight basketball stuff, where this leaves Louisville, where this leaves the state of the program. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this because, and I hate to, this is going to sound like a, a Debbie downer way to start this conversation, but I think part of the reason why this is affecting Louisville fans more than just the average fan base, it's not just because we, I mean, we clearly digest as, as much of this stuff or more of this stuff than anybody else in the, in the country, but we've talked about this on the pod before. This kind of felt like our shot here. We, we've got some uncertainty in the future. We've got not just from a roster standpoint, but from the, the NCAA stuff, and this felt like our, our real one chance to make a memorable March memory that we could hold on to for the next few years. And there is, let's just, let's put it out there. There is a possibility that Louisville could be banned from next year's NCAA tournament or or banned from the 2022 NCAA tournament or have some sort of NCAA penalties that make it really, really difficult for this program to be back in the position that we were in just a week ago, feeling relatively good about our overall standing. I mean, that makes this whole thing at at least a little bit worse, does it not?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you you hit it on the head, and I think it's in the back of every Louisville fan's mind, and I'm sure it's on the back of, you know, Chris Max mind as well. Um, that I mean, just the thought of that, if for some reason those penalties did come down this year and we were banned from a tournament next year, I mean, the thought of that is just downright terrifying. Because, um, I mean, you're looking at five to six years of basically – Zero tournament success, two tournament bans, a canceled tournament, an interim coach. I mean, Jesus. just an unprecedented. I mean, that's just like a murder's row of Debbie Downers right there.
0: I felt um, bad for us when we were growing up, and we went from we went from you and I were in the same grade, so you and I went from like sixth grade to senior year in high school without having an NCAA tournament win. Like those formative years, we had the two first round losses. We had uh, not making the tournament a couple times. Like I felt terrible for us having to like grow up in those years with that lack of success. I can't imagine being a kid and having like my nephews, like this being like their golden age of local fandom and being like, I mean, what you just said is is fucking crazy. Like a tournament that gets canceled, uh, a postseason ban, a uh, self imposed postseason ban, missing with an interim head coach when you're on the bubble, getting upset in the second round by Michigan the one year you do go, getting just hammered by Minnesota. In um, Chris Mack's first year, and then potentially now having more NCAA penalties. Like that, that sucks for the younger generation of fans. Thank God your son, Cam, is, is still probably just a little bit too young to really get like fully into this whole thing just yet.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, if a band comes down, I'll, I'll shield him as long as I can. But no, <laughs> I mean, God, it, it, it's, a, it's just, it's always in the back of your mind just because the NCA is so unpredictable and you don't, don't know what they're going to do. Um, but, I mean, and we, we kind of talked last night about our team going forward. I think maybe we have – I mean, I don't know about you. I, I feel okay with it. I mean, do I think we're a, a top five or top ten team? No, I don't. I know people probably have us out of the top 25 as well. So, I, I you know, if we were going into next year, I get that. I think obviously a lot's going to depend on if if Jay Scrub gets here to campus or not. That's a, a big domino yet to fall. But um, yeah, and I, I mean, another who knows? I, I, I would be shocked if they do go through with this. Another year of eligibility for the seniors that, you know, they had been kind of mentioning or thrown out before. I think they said they're going to do it with the spring sport athletes um, and there might be some some uh, hurdles to clear with the winter sport athletes. But I mean, if that did get passed, that could change a lot of things, too. Um, I don't know if anyone would come back or want to come back, I mean, that's just, there's just a lot of questions to be answered there, but I mean, I'm already anxious to get to next season. I mean, and we still got, you know, five, six months before anything even, you know, begins. So I guess what we probably, you know, are just going to keep tabs on what's going on with the roster, what's going on with recruiting summer ball, whenever that does start. And, you know, we got football coming in august
0: and i guess that's just kind of where we're at right now yeah i this felt like it was going to be a really really crucial month for the state of louisville basketball and also for chris Mack. um i'm not saying that he's like you know on the hot seat or anything like that or that the the criticism of him is is fair at all but there is a contingent of louisville fans that were you know looking at this season and saying we started preseason number five we were number 1 in december um we were in the top 10 for a long time we're ending here in the eight people the final eight people came out today and we're number 14 like just by definition that's a little bit of a disappointment now you can always rectify that stuff with a, with a run in march going to a regional final going to you know beating somebody good in the sweet 16 obviously getting to a final four but for mac now not having that i'm kind of curious the overall just climate of the fan base uh, about him about the the program because in a weird way, the worst thing that Chris Mack did was have so much success so quickly here. You know, he cut, he gets the job. We're still under this weird dark cloud. People aren't sure if we're going to be competitive the first few years. He signs all these recruits right away. I mean, that, that first recruiting class, he had them all inked in the early signing period. He gets all six of those guys. Um, we overachieve in November and December, that first year beat Michigan state. We're in the top 16. We hammer North Carolina. And then the season kind of flames out late. And if you know, if you had told people going into that year, Louisville was going to be a seventh seed in the NCAA tournament, finished seventh in the ACC, we would have been over the moon. But because of the way in which it played out, people there were there were some people that were kind of I don't know, uh, not upset, but not feeling like it was as overwhelmingly positive as it should have been, just because of you know we lost six of our last nine games, and then this year you've got all the hype in the world, and the team was just kind of you know they were a little bit up and down at least compared to our preseason expectations and the way to save that was to have a big march i feel like if chris mack if if we'd gone to a final four that's something he can hang his hat on for the next two three four five years and say you know regardless of what the ncaa did look at what i was capable of doing when i had a full roster when i had a full team when we didn't have these penalties or anything like that this is what we're going to do moving forward conversely if we had flamed out and lost in the first or second round i think people would have been really really critical of, of the job that had been done and now like you said, we're going into a team where a season where our roster next year—forget the NCA stuff—it has a lot of question marks. We're, we're going to have to replace uh, six scholarship players now. Uh, I think our three leading scorers are all gone. It's it's hard for me to see this next year's team being better than this year's team was, but I, I don't. It just—I feel like we're in a weird place. That's, I, it's a long-winded way of saying I feel like we're in a weird place, and we would have a lot more clarity about where we are if we had been able to play this month out but now we don't and i don't really know where that leaves the fan base what the overall climate is i think we're all just kind of in this weird limbo p- position
1: yeah and just the roster like turnover that we're going to have if you know those seniors obviously don't come back and and jordan like we expect moves on uh, it's going to be like like we talked about it last night the probably the biggest turnover that we've had. And gosh, I mean, I I mentioned the, the 2010, 2011 team, which was the Moorhead state year. But as you pointed out, that's, you know, we didn't even have close to the turnover that we're going to have, you know, in this upcoming year, most likely, as far as, you know, guys getting, or new players and guys that haven't played before getting more playing time. So I think that the three guys we can probably count on building around are going to be Dave, Sam, and Malik. Um, and then everything after that kind of seem I mean, even with Sam and Dave, I mean, there are some question marks a, a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's just I'm excited to see the roster like I, I, I'm anxious to see it. Um, but it is going to be a, a, a big change for us, and uh, we'll just have to wait till the summer to kind of see how things shake out. Yeah, it's it's
0: uh, it's just kind of a, a weird feeling overall. I think nationally, real quickly, real quickly. everybody's talking about the seniors that lost, and it, it does it, it just it, it sucks nationally if you're just a fan of college basketball. Thinking about, I mean, as much as this was terrible for us and not getting to know how this season was going to play out. Imagine being a diehard Dayton fan and I mean, you you and I both spent some of our college years there and it's a underrated basketball fan base. They're always top 25 nationally in attendance. Imagine being somebody who feels the same way about Dayton basketball that you and I and everybody listening feels about Louisville basketball. You know, you've obsessed over seasons where you're finishing 10th in the A-10 and you feel like the ceiling is maybe a memorable run as a five, six, seven seed, and you've been waiting for a year like this your entire life, like a year where you're one of the four or five best teams in the country. You're going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. It's believable, it's plausible that you could go to a Final Four and win a national title. And then it's like, they never going to be that good again. They are, I'm not saying they're not going to have a, a great season here or there that they can even make a Final Four or maybe even win a national title. They're never going to have a year like that again. And to have that ripped away, at the last second. I can't even imagine how that feels. San Diego State fans, same way. Baylor fans, same way. As much as it sucks for us, I feel bad for those pl- people. And like you said, I feel the worst for the seniors, guys like Cassius Winston, guys like Miles Powell, guys like Marcus Howard, players who felt like they've been in some way building their entire lives toward these three or four weeks and now it, you know they never get that back. You never get to have that memory. But I want to talk real quickly. I want to get your thoughts on these. I think there are five winners or teams or teams or players that actually, this is kind of a positive thing for. Number one, this is the most obvious to me. North Carolina.
1: Oh like yeah, they, <laughs> see how you took it right out of my mouth, like Willie Williams, like gosh, dog, it didn't. This, this
0: worked out, didn't it? I mean, they get to say forever. Like they have, I think, the fifth longest streak of consecutive made NCAA tournaments. They've made, I think, it was nine. They and Cincinnati were tied. They get to keep that streak going. Like this whole just debacle of a year that was almost as much of a storyline in college basketball as anything else. It doesn't get forgotten, but it's it's kind of not going to be in the record books. They don't have any of the negative effects of all this. Number 2. How about Penny Hardaway? The dude guaranteed a national title before the season. They probably weren't going to make the NCAA tournament and he gets to kind of skate with that. Like he doesn't get to he like would never get to call Penny on that. He can if he wants to say I thought I think we were peaking at the right time. We were going to win the American tournament and we were going to win the NCAA tournament. Like Penny just totally skates here.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) it's just, yeah, anyone who just made, like, yeah, like him, just an outlandish, bold prediction that doesn't have to back it up. I mean, talk about, like, having luck on your side, Um, but uh, that's a program I'm interested in going forward to see not only, A, what's going to happen because of the whole Wiseman deal, but, B, you know, can Penny keep up the recruiting are, are they actually going to come back to like national prominence and be a major player? I have a hard time believing it, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to see.
0: Um, along the same lines about making proclamations and not really having to back them up, are you familiar with our guy, Pantelis Exidius, the the walk-on from DePaul who's always doing the dances, got the big hair, got the I know respects. who he is.
1: Yes, I know who he
0: is. Yeah, he kind of looks like Luke Smith, the Louisville pitcher. Um, he... When DePaul got off to their good start this year, when they were like 12 and 1 and had beaten Iowa, beaten Texas Tech, he tweeted out that if they didn't make the NCAA tournament, he would shave his head. He'd shave that gigantic. And now he doesn't have to do that. They've won their first Big East tournament game. They're the last team in the Big East to win a game in 2019 20. He could say, look, we were in the quarterfinals. We were three wins away. I'm not guaranteeing anything. He, he gets to skate from that, too. So uh, Pantelis, big winner. Number four, <laughs> I feel like, go ahead. I was gonna ask who did
1: DePaul beat in the Big East? Was it Xavier? Yeah, exactly. Oh man, Is
0: Steele on the hot seat? Should be. Yeah, yeah. they're
1: he's gonna be okay. a rough go up there. Yeah.
0: They're gonna be okay. They kind of they had up and down. They're recruiting pretty well right now. I think he'll. I think he's gonna wind up being fine. Um, number four, I think every coach now who can follow John Calipari's lead and say that we would have won the national title. Like, nobody can call you on that. Like, Bill Self is saying we should be uh, crowned national champions. John Calipari, even though, I mean, his team had just lost to Tennessee, had to come back and beat Florida, and he was fighting with Ashton Haggins. He's like, you know what? Everything was great. We were going to win it. And Kentucky fans are like, you know, Cal said it. We were going to win it all. There's no question about it. Like, every coach who wants to say that, every coach who's kind of is getting shit from his fan base or shit from his AD can be like, you know what, it's the great what if. If we had just been able to play that tournament out, we would have gone to the Final Four. We had a run coming.
1: That pissed me off so fucking bad. Like, I know I shouldn't let it bother me. There's bigger things going on in the world right now. But, like, God, it was just so predictable that he was going to be the one to come out to say it. Like, even, like, Bill Self, who had, like, the number one team in the country, like, I I read, like, some story that, uh, like, he was on a teleconference, and they were trying to be like, well, since you were number one, like, you know, I guess that makes you the national champions. And he was kind of deflecting and, and not giving into it. But of course, Cal step right up, and be like, I, I think we should, we could have been national champions. So just an absolute Cal thing to say, just the it guy really just, he, 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 he knows how to fucking press everybody's buttons.
0: How about that? And then how about the, the Florida state Senate naming Florida state as the national champions? Like, like out of nowhere, like, how does that work? Yeah. You've never been to a Final Four. It just—I uh,
1: don't know. But I, this guess, is, yeah, I guess, yeah. it must be a Florida thing. Like, yeah, whenever Central Florida they decide they're going to go ahead and crown themselves national, it must just
0: be like some sort of Florida thing. It's oh, and people are going to keep doing this. Like, people are going to be like, eh, you know, if we'd actually played it out, and I'll say this now, and I, it's a safe zone for me now, but I would have said the exact same thing had the conference tournaments played out and have we been getting ready to talk about the first Thursday of the tournament. I don't like. I I didn't really believe in Kentucky this year. I know they beat us, but they this was one of the least scary Cal teams that I can remember. I'm Not saying they couldn't have gotten a good draw and played well and gone to the Final Four. I'm not saying I think they would have lost in the first weekend or anything like that. But I had very little faith in this UK team being able to win a national title. So for Cal to say that, I'm like, yeah, man. You know, even the De'Aaron Fox team, yeah, I, w- I would have believed it. Last year's team, I, I would have let you get away with it. This year's team, no, I just. Not feeling it. The fifth team that I think is a big winner, and this will lead us into um, our next conversation, the Iona Gales. Because Iona had – they had dominated the Metro uh, Athletic Atlantic Conference, the MAAC, the MAC. They win the tournament every year. Doesn't matter what seed they are. Doesn't matter what the, how their season's gone. They win that tournament every fucking year. They had just gotten beat in the quarterfinals on Wednesday night when all hell broke loose. And now their streak continues. They've still won four straight MAC titles. Um, they don't have to worry about you know, the record books from this year. They lost uh, their coach, Tim Kluis, had medical reasons. And they get Rick Pitino now Is, is their new head coach, kind of coming out of nowhere. When there's no sports to talk about, Ricky P steps up and says, I'm going to throw some chum into the water. Here's some shark bait. You guys start going crazy. You guys eat all this up. And we did. We had Rick Patino to talk about. He's back in college basketball. It came at a time that I didn't expect it to come at at all. Um, but he's going to be back in New Rochelle. He's going to be coaching in the MAC, which is just a, a weird sentence to to say. And I've been intrigued by the response by a lot of little fans. I feel like it's been, I feel like it's been kind of in line with how I feel. Like I'm glad Rick Pitino's back. I don't really harbor any ill will towards him i i think he deserved to be fired i i said that from day one but i still i'm glad that he gets to end his career whether it's at iona or whether he goes to one more job after this i'm glad he gets to have at least one more stint back in college basketball how how do you feel about the whole thing
1: i'm on the i I feel the same way and for me iona has become must watch for me i mean rick is just someone that he draws eyeballs whether it's how he carries himself in the sidelines his, you know, over the top exaggerations and in interviews. Uh, it's just, it's, it's fun to have him in the college game. Um, obviously I, I think our fan base, people have different views on how things ended. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think he definitely should have been fired. Um, but with that being said, you know, it, how much how much of that last part uh you know falls on him we know we got that documentary coming out um it, it kind of feels like rick was the the target of an fbi sting almost but i mean we can get into that a whole nother day but i i do think that he he was the head of the program he needed to know what was going on so he did need to be fired but with that being said happy that he's back in college basketball i i don't hold a grudge against them um and i hope that he has success at iona
0: yeah and i think patino with his his recent comments he's kind of gotten in line with a lot of louisville fans because that's always been my stance is like i still i don't think he knew about what was going on with the andre mcgee stuff i don't think he knew what was going on with the the brian bowen stuff but that's part of the problem like that that's that's why in the ultimately he had to have been fired after this these cases And it seems like he's kind of coming around on that notion. He did the interview with the radio station up there in New York where he said, um, finally, definitively, like, I deserve to be fired by Louisville. I get it. Um, And that's the first time he's said that in two and a half years. I don't know if he would have said it had he not gotten a college job again. But he's finally coming around on that. And I know there's some Louisville fans who are like, you know, fuck Rick forever. He put us in this place. Like, uh, I don't even think about the good times anymore. And that's certainly like I'll never tell you how to how to fan. It's an understandable viewpoint. I mean, other fans will say, like, I wish Rick Pitino was back today, and that's understandable as well. I I definitely fall in the middle of those two where I feel like I can still have good memories of what he accomplished here, what he did for the program, but also recognize that it got too loose at the end. You can't hire Jordan Fair when you're on probation. Um, By the way, shout out to Jordan Fair for blocking me on Twitter. Um, You you just (laughs) cannot do that. Um, And then... You know, ultimately that has to fall on your head, and, and it did. But I'm I'm excited that he gets to coach again. It's going to be really weird if you're not familiar with MAC basketball. And God, why, why would you be? I think it's the most contentious league in America. Like they are constantly fighting. There are fights in games. The coaches all hate each other. Iona's biggest rival is uh, Monmouth, who's coached by King Rice, who played at North Carolina back in the day. He's super gregarious. He's super in your face. He's always fighting with other coaches. Uh, Steve Massiello is still the head coach at Manhattan. There, it's going to be awesome. They play a lot of nationally televised games on Friday nights. Once you get to conference play in January and February, and if you're, you know, if you're like us and you're old and you have no life anymore, it it'll be worth watching. Rick Patino coached Iona teams, going up against whoever in these Friday night games because the fans are intense. The, it's not a great conference. I think it ranked 28th out of the 32 Division One leagues this year on Ken Palm, but Iona typically plays a fun style. They get up and down. I assume. Uh, Rick is going to continue to do that there and I'll ask you this he is he's come out and said in typical Rick Pitino fashion my buyout is so big that only Fort Knox University could buy me out it's absolutely my last stop do you think Rick Pitino who's 67 years old I think he'll be 68 by the time next season starts do you believe this is his last stop Iona
1: that's that's the Rick bullshit that just gets him in trouble (laughs) just even bringing that up it's like Rick just just shut up buddy Like you don't even have to talk about that, but do I think it's his last stop? God, he is. I mean, it just seems like he's getting up there in age. But I mean, I don't know. He's just been around the world, so it's it's hard to to say no to that. If I had to guess, though, I would say yes, it's his last stop. Um, But
0: I could totally be wrong about that. I don't think there's any way. Like I don't think there's any way that he finishes his coaching career at Iona. Um, And I I could be wrong, too, but I feel like this is going to be. And the other the great unknown is what does the NCAA do with Patino personally? They gave him a five game ACC suspension with the last helping of the NCAA. Uh, He obviously never served that because he got fired before that season started. But he's going to get something. There's no question about it. And the NCAA pretty quietly because everybody keeps waiting for the the big fish in the FBI deal to get dealt with. And that's not going to happen for a while because you've got the. The NOA is out and you got the responses. You're going to have the appeals. But pretty quietly, they've been hammering some programs over the last year. Um, The Commission on College Basketball, that thing that was headed up by Condi Rice, they recommended all these harsher penalties. And the NCAA has been following that pretty closely. They've given big-time show-cost penalties. They gave Kevin Ollie a billion years. They gave somebody else like a legitimate 25-year show-cost penalty. And nobody's cared about these because they've been to programs that have been bad. And guys that aren't even in college basketball anymore— I would, I am fully expecting Rick Pitino to get hit pretty hard. I don't know if it'll be a, a two year show calls or something like that, but I can definitely see this being a situation where he has to sit out a full season at Iona and Iona still says, you know, at some point we get to have Rick Pitino coaching our program. This is still worth it for us. But I think he, I, I can see a scenario where he coaches at Iona for three or four years, maybe takes them to a couple of NCAA tournaments Proves that he's still got it. They, they have one season where they have a really gaudy record. He brings some good players in there. And then I don't think he'll ever make a leap up to like a Louisville-esque program. Like I don't, I don't think he'll ever coach in to the top 10, top 15 program anymore. But I can see, you know, UMass being a program that reaches out to him and says, you know, why don't you finish out your career at your alma mater or Rhode Island or some of these schools that felt like they couldn't touch him right now, but maybe could five years from now when he's you know, distanced himself from everything that happened at Louisville. That's kind of I think that would be my prediction, but again, uh, I'm happy that he's going and getting to do what he loves uh, again. I think it's it's good for anybody, yeah. regardless of their faults, to be able to end their professional careers doing something that they truly truly love
1: listen if if will Wade and Sean Miller and Bruce Pearl, you know are allowed to roam the sidelines, and there's no reason that that Rick can't just jump right back into college basketball because you know, obviously when this documentary comes out, um, and I think you've already seen it, you're going to uh, see some pretty damning evidence, especially against, um, Will
0: Wade and, and Sean Miller. Yeah. I watched the, the early screening of, uh, the scheme, which is going to premiere, I think March 31st on HBO. And it's really, there's nothing out there that's, that's in the documentary that hasn't already been public knowledge, but actually it's kind of like the you know when you know when whenever you have bad report, the most obvious example, and this is again, paying players is not akin to this. I don't want to make I want to preface all this with saying that, but the Ray Rice thing, it was bad like when you heard domestic violence and all this stuff, it was obviously terrible. I think everybody reacted differently when they saw the video, right? like that was the big whenever you see videos of stuff or you hear audios of stuff it it hits you differently than it does. When you're just reading it, um, and I think that the same is true with this, because we've heard about the the Will Wade recordings, we've heard about the uh, the Sean Miller wiretap. When you actually hear them, it's it's even worse. Will Wade sounds terrible. Sean Miller sounds terrible. And uh, the whole documentary is worth watching just for those, just for that part at the end, because Will Wade comes off as just super super slimy, and um, it's it's a bad look for them. And Rick Pitino. There's really there's nothing new if you're wondering what happens with Louisville. There's nothing really new out there. The only thing that I think is is interesting is Christian Dawkins says, when he first gets busted, which by the way, they come out with like machine guns pointed at his face. His like face. a fucking <laughs> movie. And they're basically like, you need to work with us. You need to give us Rick Pitino. And he's like, I, you know, I, I, I can. They're like, we need you to give us Rick Pitino. It definitely seems like they were out to get the big fish. Uh, and that was kind of that. But uh, again, to sum up, Happy he's back at Iowa. Let's talk about the the last thing that we'll discuss here, which is the big news of the week involving Louisville basketball. Darius Perry announced that he's going to enter the NCAA transfer portal. Um, were you surprised? What was your general reaction to this? The only reason I was surprised is because it, it, he had kind of,
1: you know, I, and I don't know if it was through Instagram or Twitter or comments in the media had mentioned that, he was, you know, he was like, "Hey, I, I, I'm already been here three years. Why would I transfer for my force? So um, it caught me off guard in, in that regard. But from like a basketball standpoint, um, I'm, I, I, I guess I get why he is is leaving. Um, I'm sure playing time might have opened up a little bit more for him next year. Um, but it just didn't seem like his style was really meshing with uh, Chris Mack's system. And I guess in an interview with, uh, the courier, um, or the athletic, one of the two, he, uh, his dad had mentioned that he kind of felt like he was in a, a straight jacket, um, you know, w- with the playing style here at Louisville. So I'm, you know, obviously I want to see the kid do well. Um, I, I think he, it would be fair to say he probably didn't meet expectations from a basketball standpoint, at the University of Louisville. Um, after maybe we saw some flashes early on from him, but he's a likable kid, and I want him to do well, so I'll definitely be tracking his career um, from from here on
0: out. Yeah, my understanding. Like, you mentioned the Instagram comments. He was asked a bunch of times. I think it was three or four weeks ago. You know, are you planning on leaving? And he was like, No. Well, where else would I go? I'm fine with my role here. Ryan McMahon's playing really well. I'm okay with not being in the starting lineup anymore. I I don't think that was just lip service. Like, I think he genuinely really loves Louisville. My understanding is, you know, they do these coach and player interviews at the end of every season. And I think that it was, it's communicated pretty clearly to him that like, you're going to be basically in the same role next year as a senior. Like David Johnson's our starting point guard. You're probably not going to get big time minutes of the two. This system isn't a great fit for you. If you want to stay here, that's fine. But if you want to go somewhere and, and put up good numbers and maybe play in a style that's more conducive to your game, you should probably think about going somewhere else. And he's going to be – he's going to graduate this summer, so he's a grad transfer who's eligible to play right away. And you mentioned the interview that his dad, uh, Eric, did with Daniel Lerner of The Athletic. And he did – you know he said he wants to play in a, in a system that doesn't include a straitjacket, kind of saying you know, Darius is a guy who likes to get up and down, high-pressure defense. That was why he came to Louisville to play for Rick Pitino, and he never really got a chance to to flourish in that style under Chris Mack with the pack line and, and all that good stuff. He also did mention it, it wasn't like it was a, a scathing interview. He talked about the fact that Darius, you know, this was the toughest decision of his life. He really did love Louisville. He's never left anywhere before. He was a big fan of the fans. I, I think Darius truly did want to stay here but recognize that this wasn't going to be the best situation for him uh, basketball-wise. And I, I'm with you. I wish him the best. Uh, his dad didn't rule out the possibility of him going to Iona. I think that would be interesting to watch. But he's been reached out. I mean, a bunch of big-time schools have already reached out to him. Um, I think Iowa State, Oklahoma, Wichita State, Texas, um, Oregon. He's he's going to have his fair share of options, whether he wants to go to a contender or go to a place where he can score Maybe 14, 15 points a game, and I'm with you. Like I wish nothing but the best for Darius, and I don't know about you, but losing Darius, I'm not saying it's a it's a good thing, but it doesn't really change my overall outlook for next season all that much.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it was nice that his last game, the Virginia game, he he played really well. Um, and I think that kind of would have been the role that we would have seen him in like give him a couple minutes here and there if he's playing well you can kind of let him on the court because he can be a defensive disruptor he can knock down shots when he's when he's hot but yeah I mean from an absolute making a huge impact in our season I I don't think that he was going to be the person to do that so um, you know, I'm 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 glad to see that he's putting himself in a position where he can kind of finish his college career the way that he wants to. All
0: right, we usually wrap up the podcast by doing a uh, a Dan in the dump story where Danny talks about something bad that's happened. I don't think we need to do that this time. Like I, I think that the <laughs> yeah. the last seven days have effectively been a, a day in the dumps for everybody. Like we've all been in the dumps. We're all gonna stay in the dumps. We are gonna keep doing the podcast. I've got some. Some interesting ideas for how to handle this moving forward, even on weeks where we don't have big-time Louisville news, which is probably going to be a lot of them coming up. Um, but we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some other guests on. It should be a, a good time. We also like to read um, reviews that you guys leave on the the podcast app, and we do encourage you. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to uh, to the Card Chronicle Pod. Give us a, a five star rating if you can, and a nice review if you can. B Myers thirteen says, "This is my favorite podcast. I don't feel like there are ever enough of these." You guys never disappoint. Big shout out to B Myers thirteen. Um, and I, I guess I'll end with this: We, have, you know, you and I, we're not going to do any preaching. We, we don't want to do anything like that. The one thing that I will say though is, if you can, please just stay the fuck home. Like, like we, I think we have enough information now. This all, this whole thing is still fluid, but we've seen this has hit a dozen other countries first, and there's only been one proven thing that works. And it's staying the fuck home. And it, this isn't just me telling you, like, now you've got Republican leaders telling you to do this. You've got Democratic uh, leaders telling you to do this. Everybody is telling you to do the same thing. The best thing you can do, and I know it feels counterintuitive when you've got this, uh, you know, you, you want to fight this war and you want to do something big and you want to help out. The best thing we can all do is just stay home whenever we can. So uh, try to keep your mind. I know, Dan, it's a little bit tougher for you than it is for me. Like, having the baby is 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 rough enough 24-7. you got the two youngsters and you got the pregnant wife. So godspeed to you man
1: yeah no it's crazy times i mean she's doing two months we're having like semi like you wouldn't even think we'd have to have these conversations but just in case worst case scenario happens you know we're having semi-serious conversations about what if we had to deliver the baby at our house which the thought of that um (laughs) would be an episode that would last for two hours um but yeah no i'm kind of the same sentiment as you stay home um you know do it for not just for yourself but for obviously other people elderly people and just think of it as hey you know if if the faster we can knock this thing hopefully we, we get some some sports back in our lives and it just keeps you you know uh gives you another reason to stay home
0: if Zach Morris can deliver Belding's wife's baby in an <laughs> elevator, I, I, I have full faith that you can deliver Kim's baby from your house. I believe. Dan you. Just the. Follow what Dan that
1: the. Yeah. <laughs> Dan the doula. It could be happening. Dan the midwife.
0: Delivery man, Dan. Here we yep. go. Well, that's something to look forward to for the next two months. So at least we've got that going on. Uh, but we will be back later this week. We'll be talking about some more fun stuff. Uh, I've got. Some, I do have some tournament-centric things that I want to get to. But until we talk to you guys the next time. Uh, Stay safe. Stay home. Go Cards. Go Cards.